I haven't yet installed Windows 10. It uh, feels like I'm I'm still in the back in the days period, but I don't get any ads, so I'm quite happy about that. Um, speaking of which, I heard you bought a, an iPhone. What's your <laughs> what's your defense, or rather, what's your feelings around it? Yeah, yeah, I think we can get to the defense uh, because I do feel a slight necessity to defend that choice. Uh, I, I don't feel a particular need to defend my purchase until I to sort of uh, reveal the specs of the thing and then I, I do feel a need to defend my purchase. But actually, I will say Apple has gotten much worse about ads in your operating system as well. <laughs> Not to the extent of Windows, which has absolutely no shame. <laughs> because they're trying to sell other people's products in the operating system along with their own products. But what Apple is doing currently is just shameless plugging of Apple TV Plus and uh, all of those services that they have. It's like, oh, but you want to try Apple Arcade, right? Like, I bought a phone. Let me use the phone. And, like, getting a random push notification from the TV app should just never happen. Unless I've said, oh, I'm using this app. Uh, I've signed in. I want to use it. And if they're like, oh, the new season of your favorite show is out. Sure. Like, that, that can be delightful to be notified about. But I do not want them to tell me, especially not more than once, about the fantastic opportunity of three months of TV plus free. I think I got that mail about six or seven times or something when I had an iPhone as a job phone. But since I never really... iPhones just work in a way that I'm not very comfortable with. Yeah. So... I was very happy when I could hand it back. I'll also just say that for anyone that does have an iPhone and haven't tried that offer, I would totally take it if you haven't seen Ted Lasso because Ted Lasso is a fantastic TV show, tons of fun, very sort of uplifting and happy, which and sort of optimistic about people. It's no, it's absolutely fantastic. But we already watched it on my wife's free. TV plus subscription. So I don't need it. I'm fine. Thanks. Did did you just do an ad? No. No, you didn't. You haven't you haven't been like brainwashed by your phone. No. No, that's just Good. gen genuine endorsement of the show. Uh the cool. UI for Apple TV Plus is absolutely dog shit. Oh no. <laughs> Especially on hey, the web. How 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 did Apple TV become that bad so because it's it's an apple product it should be amazing apple tv plus is not an apple product as such it's an apple service and apple is terrible at web services now i think if i would have used used it on an apple device as as a tv app it would have been better i still hear that it's bad so that's such a disappointment but the thing is, Apple is good at building devices and they're good at building particular types of sort of UI apps or um, utility apps. 
they are not particularly good at uh, apps that are also services or services that are also apps or services at all. Huh. But yeah, so I got an iPhone. Yeah, you got an iPhone. And my opinion is that sort of this this uh, attempt to flog services at me definitely contributes to rubbing some of the Apple magic polish off because it seems sort of desperate and annoying and it doesn't seem like an Apple system should spend a lot of time annoying its user. That's not that's not been the original pitch. They have sort of degenerated in, in that sense a fair bit on the software side. It's it's become more annoying and less less power friendly, uh, less power user friendly, in my opinion. But the reason I settled on getting an iPhone. So my my previous phone was getting slow. I'm not sure if it actually a bit damaged or if it's just showing its age. Maybe it would be a fair bit better with a reinstall, but I also wanted to step up the camera I have. And that's for two reasons. I have a kid and taking pictures of your kid and getting good pictures of your kid is fantastic. But more importantly, probably more more of a driving factor because my existing phone did take fine pictures of people. But for some of the filming I'm doing and video production, I did want to step up what kind of phone I'm carrying. And the iPhone is top of the line when it comes to video. It's a bit of like which one you prefer when it comes to comparing uh, the iPhone versus Samsung versus some Google Pixel stuff when it comes to stills, I think. That's been that's been my read on it. Last time I checked, they were really top three. Yeah. Those two and another one. Yeah. Don't remember which one. But if yeah. you use a Samsung, you will have to use their horrible user interface. So I can see why you <laughs> went for the iPhone. Yeah, so Samsung was... Uh, was sort of tempting in one more way, which is that they've revived uh, the Note in a sense with the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra or whatever it's called. And I I do like the Note. Having a pen with your phone is kind of neat and I've done that before and had fun with it. But yeah, I don't really like Samsung's uh, additional offerings and what they what they put on the phone. It's It's pain. So then there was the whole, okay, do I get a top-of-the-line Android or do I get an iPhone Pro? And it's super frustrating to me that buying an Android phone is like buying a two-years-old or even older iPhone performance and experience-wise. Not necessarily that Android, the OS is a much poorer experience UX-wise. I think I rather like how configurable Android is typically and more open and free. Uh, the home screen on the iPhone is currently making me m- quite mad. But like just processor-wise and efficiency-wise, it's not even a competition. And my Android phone just slows down over the years and 
can get really, really frustrating. Uh, it can slow down for no particular reason randomly. They, it's sort of, they misbehave in much the same way that uh, Linux or Windows can randomly misbehave. I find Macs more consistent in that they misbehave consistently when they misbehave, and mostly I don't have as much uh, as many problems with them. But you, it's also a bit more finicky to find out what's wrong and fix it if there's an issue. Yeah. And similarly, like an Android phone will will have tons of small issues. And you might be able to get to them. You might not. You get up. Like I got an update and suddenly my phone was a lot slower. I don't like that. And it doesn't feel like. And this was a OnePlus. Uh, OnePlus 7 Pro, I think, was my last phone. And OnePlus was sort of a special brand in that they were sort of bang for buck and packing a lot of features into fairly low price comparatively so they were sort of a power user phone but that's that's out the door now they're definitely not doing that anymore they're they're merging with their sibling brand i think it's oppo and yeah uh, it's just just for, forget oneplus of the past i don't think we're seeing them again and i don't really see any interesting or like uh, enjoyable alternatives on the android side i it's like, okay, yeah, you get the top of the line processors are worse than the Apple ones in everything I've seen. And significantly so. Battery efficiency is worse. Effective battery might be equivalent, but then it's usually because they packed in a ton of it. And I'm a little bit sick of having a dev- of paying sort of premium prices for a device that I know will just feel slower and slower uh, over two years, while I know iPhones typically last people a good while. And the other option, sort of the other extreme, is to go into more open things, such as Linux phones. And those are unilaterally considered a terrible experience and not recommended really for anyone except the people that are willing to live with those compromises. Poor cameras, uh, texting and phones, and phone functionality can be expected to work, but it's not like you can do your banking app because who, who has shipped that on, on Linux? And while I do want to sort of get a PinePhone Pro and toy around with it and figure out if, like, what can it do? How good can it be? Uh, if I ever find time for that, it's not what I would daily drive. There's some pragmatism there that I figure, like, no, I, I do want a banking app. I do want to do be able to do Swish, Swedish money transfers and all of that stuff. And I want it to be able to conveniently sort of manage photos and like be fairly mature. It's, it's a day, daily tool. It's not an experiment for me. Those are very reasonable expectations of a phone, at least today. Yeah. If you had said it twenty years ago, people would have would have thought you were mad. Yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, so I guess you have other expectations of a phone too. You have mentioned uh, CPU a couple of times that you want something fast, 
and that you want lots and lots of battery. What's your what's your <laughs> like spec list? What do you need from a phone? Need is different from sort of want and expect. Okay, what you want? <laughs> yeah, I don't actually need as powerful a phone as I as I tend to buy. I tend to buy flagships, and I do that because I'm a tech enthusiast. It's, that's pretty much it. There, that's not a good return on investment. Like, if I was going to buy a good bang for the buck phone right now, like the recent iPhone SE is probably a good deal. Probably. And that's the ch- cheapest iPhone. Yeah. Or I could buy one of the high-value Android phones. I think the Samsung Galaxy non-Pro S21 was considered very good. It depends what you need it for. Uh, I think we're using it at work, and it's it's an interesting experience. On the other hand, we're we're doing our own app on it, and that app is an interesting experience too. So I don't know. Maybe I'm not being fair here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can I can get back to you in a while when yeah things but, have settled a bit. But essentially, the reason I've been on Android for a long time. Uh, like all my daily drivers since smartphones came around have been Android phones. Aside from the n- fantastic Nokia Nokia N700, which w- was a Linux phone, while that was like it, it had so much potential. That was a fantastic little device. Loved it. But was it that that one w- with a real keyboard that you could slide out? Oh, it had a good tappity keyboard and it had a pen. <laughs> Dang, do you still have it somewhere? Yeah, but I think it died. So it's not... I could never get it to start again, I believe. Or oh. I think the screen died. I think I was able to start it and SSH into it once. Cool. So you you have... Uh, <laughs> you might have a small Nokia server. Yeah. 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 Uh, All right. So cool. <laughs> the reason I picked Android was like, oh, but it's the open sourcey one. And it's the flexible one, and it's the power user one where you can get at all the knobs and bits. But most Android systems and most Android experiences is, are not very <laughs> very open in reality. Most Android releases are like, oh, yeah, you're still reliant on the manufacturer to to keep releasing updates, otherwise you're screwed. Now Google has tried to address that with some program where where they guarantee a certain amount of time of updates. Is it the Ready Google One one? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Google One One uh, One One One. Um, exactly all the ones. Drive. It's just oh god, it, it, it if you spell it in hex, it becomes O X. This this is not good. <laughs> uh, oh well, <laughs> hopefully it will turn out to the best. Yeah, but it's also that it, it's essentially about as propri- proprietary, but it also includes Google, which have these incentives about <laughs> trying to capture all my data mostly, and like you you can wrangle that, but then you're heading into sort of the F droid territory or. Essentially, you're ripping out most of what made the phone work and be a seamless and convenient experience to try to live. Like, you're moving out towards the Linux phone territories again. 
the more you want to get rid of Google. Yeah, and every step to get rid of Google makes the experience worse. It's just what it is, because it's quite a good experience if you just <laughs> give all your information to Google. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, like an Android device is mostly a proprietary experience. Yeah. In overall, the App Store on Android is so bad <laughs> compared to uh, to iOS. Now, I won't benefit from most of the sort of, oh, go all in on Apple, because I'm not going all in, in on Apple. I'm still running a Linux desktop. I'm, I still have Windows devices. I still have sort of cross-platform requirements. So it's like I, I can't try the fantastic-looking uh, task manager things because I need to be able to access my stuff from multiple devices. So I'm using Todoist, which is fine. But when it comes to when it comes to having a healthy uh, sort of premium app ecosystem, like Apple has it, and Android barely does, you can't really buy a good solution to your problem in the Android App Store. So that's that's one part of it. But essentially, it's one proprietary platform or another, and I. When it comes to proprietary platforms, I prefer ones that do a really, really good job and provide powerful hardware, powerful software, a good feature set, and sort of work reliably and work for a long time. And sort of I, I've spoken to you about this before, but it's not like when I'm looking for... Um, professional grade camera or looking for a camera for youtube recordings i don't go looking for an open source one because there's no open source business out there that produces fantastic 4k cameras no it's a it's a clean room thing to produce that and clean rooms are prohibitively that's a word right expensive yeah it's i mean it's r&d it's um custom firmware and software packages it's optics it's like the camera world is a proprietary mess but it's also full of sort of useful standards so there's a lot of interop there's a lot of compatibility especially if you get adapters yeah i mean it's a it's a very mixed it's a very mixed bag uh, in many ways but i don't go looking for sort of the most open camera because I just know that there won't be one that produces what I want. And similarly, there's no open phone that produces what I want. And one day I might sit down and spend the effort to try to sort of be part of that solution. That's not what, something I have time for right now and it's not what I'm prioritizing. And I think as a proprietary platform, comparing Android and iOS, iOS provides a lot more uh, in terms of just raw performance, uh, user respect, <laughs> and uh, better, better sort of privacy fundamentals. And I've been with Android for a long time, and I've found myself growing increasingly sick of it being sort of occasionally sluggish uh, never really it doesn't feel like it's it's improving it doesn't feel like it's becoming something i'm 
more and more happy with. I mean, it has been improving, but I don't. I feel like, <laughs> and the iPhone certainly is not uh, stellar either. Like there are things that have just atrophied on the on the iPhone. They got widgets like a year ago, <laughs> but there's a lot about iPhones that is just more more polished like I find it to be a better proprietary experience and I don't overall like proprietary experiences but if I'm gonna have one I want to see if <laughs> see if I can have the best one that, that's essentially where I land on that and there's a ton of things where where there's really no choice but to go with a sort of proprietary solution like i, I can't get an open car <laughs> well well like i can't go to get a reasonable open car that is very likely to be street legal uh, and fuel efficient and all of that like street legal you can get an open car okay. but fuel because well it depends a bit on the definition of open but you could you could build yourself your own car that would be street legal, yeah. at least for a while until the the emission laws become too harsh, and then it would be hard. Hmm. Yeah. So it's it's one of those <laughs> technically correct is the best correct. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not thrilled about like I'm I'm happy about getting a phone that I'm genuinely excited to experiment with the camera on. I'm excited to have a device that I know is just fast and efficient. I think that really rubs me the wrong way about Android. It feels incredibly inefficient in many ways. Just the fact that I believe you still can't really make great audio-related apps because of the latency in the Android audio system. I think they've introduced an API that is fast enough and low-latency enough but it still has incredible variance across implementations and devices, which still makes it terrible for it. And That's a bummer. Yeah, it's, it's just a, a bunch of that stuff. And like Apple is, Apple is far from on top of their software game, but at least I find it worth following whatever they're, they are up to, while I couldn't care less about Android as a platform. I don't feel like anyone cares about Android as a platform. I'm sure there are people out there that do. Please feel free to tell me like, if, there, if there are things on Android I should be excited about. I found, like, there are cool tools that, that I've found on Android that are even like, oh, you couldn't do this on, on iOS. I found an automation app. I think it's called the Automator or automation or something. And it had some some interesting features that I don't think you'll ever see on iOS because it pulls certain um, intents, as they're called, in Android and exposes them to you so that you can say, oh, I want to launch the Instagram app and invoke the take a picture intent. And then it would be a... Essentially, you could use that as a shortcut straight into taking an Instagram picture mode rather than going into the app and then hitting, hitting that function. 
that's lovely uh, that that's a sort of cool feature and and it has a ton of different functionality with i used it to switch quickly between bluetooth devices for a bit uh it was a bit finicky because bluetooth is finicky but i mean there are certain cool parts about android but i guess i guess i'm i'm a little bit fed up with with it feeling like i i buy a flagship and i know it's just mid-tier as far as processors go if you put it next to whatever's happening on the apple side i find that frustrating and it's a little bit hard to pin down why it's not like oh i want to brag about my fast processor or i'm really doing so much processing it's more that i find it frustrating that you end up with a less efficient operating system that often will feel laggy or sluggish for some reason uh, it always ends up that way for for any android phone i've used there's a bunch of bs with sort of trying to be battery efficient where so at least the one plus i was using was like oh hey this is using a lot of battery and suggesting that i force stop it and i'm like ah. so so like runaway processes, like that's just not something this OS handles, I guess. And I think iOS just brutally kills things in the background and the developers have to live with that. That does give a very good, um, because if things just crash, then you have to restart them and you will build something good about it. Something like Erlang's Let It Crash, something, something. Yeah, but it, I it's, don't know. it's a little bit like, I think it's, it's that the OS enforces the users, like puts the user's snappy experience first, sometimes to the detriment of sort of app quality, because it can also be super annoying when you leave an app and like, oh, it stopped doing the thing it was doing uh, because something killed it. Damn it. Yeah. But I find and every Android phone I've had has felt like a pile of hacks. Well, the Android phone is a Linux something. And, well, it's a Linux kernel. And almost running Java. And kind yeah. of. And, yeah, I heard somewhere, I don't know if this is true anymore, but a couple of years ago, iPhones were more battery efficient because they didn't have a garbage collector. So they knew they did the old uh, malloc free dance i suppose they did in objective c i don't know if swift has a garbage collector or if they solve it some other way but the garbage collector has to use battery too and cpu hours so yeah it it adds up over time yeah and i mean uh, objective c versus uh, versus any kind of java i would bet on objective c for for sort of efficiency and performance most of the time because java is just more abstracted yeah but then verse if we if we put sort of kotlin and a well-tuned uh, virtual machine up next to swift i guess i guess I, i'd imagine that's a wash essentially then again i guess swift does compile with clang so it's it's still sort of more native I don't know. I don't actually know how APKs are compiled these days. If it's, I can't imagine that they run in a VM. 
No, they should have done something about it by now. But I have no idea. This is this is a part of tech I don't know anything about. Yeah, and th- this is also sort of... A, like, in some ways, I, I'll happily admit that Apple's sort of ecosystem of marketing definitely has gotten to me in, in, at many different times. But in that there are people that are enthusiastically following what the heck is going on there. And there, there's a lot of them. And not just uh, being, being positive about it. Like You can find plenty of criticism about the nuances of what Apple is doing and when they're doing well on, on things and when they're doing poorly on things. Right now, the software is generally considered in, a, in bad shape and the hardware is generally considered in fantastic shape since the M. Uh, since the M1 and then uh, the release of sort of professional and power user oriented Macs that are <laughs> that make other compromises that make it lighter and make it sleeker. So in th- there's an entire ecosystem there, and I've just never f- had any interest in an Android ecosystem. Like I've I've watched iPhone launches without having any interest in buying an iPhone because what they're doing and how they're doing it and how they're presenting it is is interesting, entertaining, and sort of leads to interesting discussion. While I just don't see the same on the Android side. And maybe there's an entire world I'm missing out on, but I, I somehow doubt it. I think Google has some kind of conference where they release all their good stuff, but... Uh... They haven't been as good as an Apple to <laughs> reach you, apparently. I don't know if it's if it's anything to see either. I haven't. I'm I'm not very enthusiastic about this <laughs> kind of tech. I'm afraid. But on the other hand, uh, comparing Swift to Kotlin and all that, I wonder if that really matters anymore, because you have an old blog post by now, where you ponder the new Electron apps, that (laughs) you say something like, Spotify, you used to be cool, (laughs) uh, and now it's unusable on anything but modern hardware, if you don't use libspotify and and do some seriously Linux hacking, of course. But that doesn't count. So I think it's the same situation on uh, the phones nowadays. Way too many. Uh, I'm one of the sinners, so I don't know if that makes me a hypocrite or if it lets me <laughs> gripe about this we'll see way too many run react native or something like that that's just layers of layers of layers of layers of abstraction on top of each other yeah. and that eats battery life and cpu time so i guess i wonder if that's why the facebook messenger app is super slow on my phone or if it's because I have a mid-level two years old Android. Mm-hmm. Is it usually two years in that they start becoming or Yeah, between six months and two years. Yeah. Cool. We'll see how, how for how long this will hold together yeah. then. But it's I've taken a completely other strategy than you have when it comes to phones. Yeah. I try to go mid market. Yeah, that's interesting. Or mid level. Um, like I wish I, I wasn't such a sucker for shiny uh, because it's probably a wiser move. Then again, I can afford to be silly. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you're you're uh, lucky in that way. 
So I, I buy my phones mid-market and usually I go for long battery time and uh, yeah, that's about it. And I'm happy as long as the phone keeps up the long battery time and doesn't do anything too crazy. I usually do take lots of photos with my phones, but I like that they are bad. It, it brings out the creativity in me. Lo-fi. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I also have a high-end DSLR. And that just... I do take quite a lot of pictures with that one too, but not as many. And it gives me more anxiety because then I see <laughs> all the parts that are not good on the phone. I know they will be bad. Yeah. It's cool. More filters, more do horrible things with the colors and contrast and so on. And also, I, I don't really care about phones as long as they work. It's good to be able to use uh, the bank ID, the electronic ID. It's good to be able to listen to lots of podcasts. Yeah, and that's and about it. Like that's, that's the majority of my needs. And then it's sort of what are my aspirations, I guess, with a device. And I think that's always a part of it when I buy, buy electronics. Just does this spark joy? Do I envision this enabling fantastic things? That's one reason I've liked sort of Samsung Notes, uh, their Note devices, just because that has a sort of visionary appeal where you have a where you have a pen for your phone you can write, write by hand and stuff and it it can be gen genuinely useful especially as someone who likes to sketch things out but android as a general thing does not inspire any sense of like oh this there's an ecosystem here ready to let you do film on android like i've never heard of it but of course, if you look on the iPhone, there's uh, there are pro apps that let you uh, handle your camera as if it was a manual, <laughs> uh, or you actually set it into manual mode and control your your shutter speed and your exposure and your ISO and stuff, and genuinely get nitty and gritty, or at least uh, sort of take control of some of the levers that Apple gives you to to a larger degree and i don't know that's like it, it's all packaged into this this world that i i don't fully buy into where it's it is propri proprietary and it is the walled garden but at least someone's taking care of the damn garden and you can still get things out of the garden and put things into the garden right? yeah so with this purchase, I'm viewing my phone less as a sort of personal device. And to me, the phone has never been a place I keep things. It is for grabbing some inputs. It is for producing some outputs. Like I, I can watch movies or listen to podcasts or take a picture. But the end goal is never... <laughs> Like, oh, and now I have a picture on my phone or my whole life lives in my phone. It's like, no, my my phone is intended to provide me a ton of conveniences. That's all it is. Final storage of 
um, sort of work projects or all, all my work projects live on my desktop machine and I can access that from my phone and make it do things. All my photos live on some kind of cloud solution right now. I'll, I'm considering moving those. So that's where I'm looking heavily on the very open side of things. I'm really planning to de-Google a fair bit in the near future, especially for things like storing my photos and all of that, because partially I... Like I, I don't trust the, I don't trust the Google service to stick around and be reasonable for a long time, but it's also just it doesn't make me happy that things I care about are stored in a proprietary system where I can't trust it long term, and where if my kids want to investigate what the heck I had, there's really no sane path for that or like things surviving the apocalypse well no one will there's no connection between google's data center drives and my life so it will probably never benefit anyone i don't know there there's a whole a whole number of things that conspire there to just make me want to keep the end result of my activities or, or the things I collect and capture and record and write, I want those to be in open systems. But at this point, I'm not sure I care about mm, the intermediary system being open. Like, uh, there's a lot of sensitive things about a phone from a privacy standpoint. So I, I totally understand people who are like, no, I'm paranoid about my phone or I'm very particular about my phone and for some people that means like apple is the right choice because they have a sort of privacy stance compared to android and for some people it's like that's absurd how can you trust a, a megacorp use the pine phone use the librem those are those are sort of two different ways to tackle tackle that idea and i'm mostly not tackling that idea but I do care about having things be interoperable and open. And I want to do that for my photos. I want to do that for my videos. I want to be able to share them with family and friends without involving Google or involving Apple. And I don't feel like I necessarily want to pay a fee to Google forever just to keep my photos around. So that's where I see sort of self-hosting and running things yourself or running them on less proprietary cloud infrastructure or a dedicated server in some data center maybe that's more appealing to me and that feels like something i can do that will that will make me happier about the situation and won't necessarily murder the entire point of having having the device or having the service and that's that's the issue with the phone thing yeah i feel like if i if i went all open or tried to solve the frustrations i have with it i would also sort of sacrifice everything else on top of that altar and 
I don't really want to do that, but I'm happy to not lean on uh, proprietary cloud services in in that same way. Similarly, like I think I want to make a pragmatic trade-off with laptops. I'm probably going to next laptop I get. I I almost don't have one right now. Um, I have an old one. I don't use it. But I'm probably getting a Mac next time I want a laptop because they're miles ahead right now. Have they gotten their wits together when it comes to keyboards? Oh, yeah. Uh, they improved that significantly. Uh, I think it's a year back or or more. So they, they've replaced the butterfly ones, which was terrible, and they've introduced one that has more travel and seems to work very reliably. Nice. And then they they released the chunkier MacBook Pro, which actually has a card slot and an HDMI port and stuff, not just USB-C. That's so good. The last MacBook I used, I think it was a MacBook mm. Air, maybe four years old or something by now, and uh, it had a horrible keyboard. I had to have a keyboard connected to it. That sounds like it would have been during the butterfly era, and that was that was bad. Yeah. But that's also like a laptop for na- right now, that's almost entirely an, a slightly ephemeral device for me. It's not a store, end store for almost anything. So there I, I think I can make that sort of proprietary versus open trade-off and feel comfortable about it. Comfortable enough, at least. Much like buying a camera. I'm going to be annoyed that all cameras seem to have terrible UIs and even worse apps. Like if you buy a systems camera now, a serious camera now, for Sony, you have the Sony Imaging Edge, which is just horrible software. But there's no real alternative. So you find out what what flavor of proprietary you like out there, and then you use one of those if you want to do the thing at all. I think that's reasonable. And one of the good things with a camera is the images are on the camera, and then they get loaded off the camera in some way, and then they can be processed using any tool you prefer. Yeah, and this this is something that Android generally does better than Apple, and and where I wish uh, iOS and Apple would improve significantly. They have improved somewhat, but just basic interoperability, like do the expected thing. When you plug into a device, are you a USB mass storage? Please be a USB mass storage if you have no sort of proprietary application that's driving you. Can you, like, how easy is it to get files in and out of the device? And with an iPhone or or iOS overall, I would say not easy enough. (laughs) While on Android, the most difficult part is just the folder structure because it confuses the hell out of me. But otherwise, I'm, there's a lot of files on disk and sort of normal normal stuff about Android. Well, while in iOS, it's a lot of, oh, you need to share this out of this app because there's no actual files on the disk anywhere that you can access. It's become better, but it's, it's still a weird sort of weird sort of walled garden for many use cases. Huh, so they've completely given up on the Unix idea of everything is a file. And they go, everything is 
a binary blob. Everything is an app. <laughs> Everything is an app. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, not quite. I mean, uh, they expose a file system now and it's much more... They have a file explorer these, these days, which is, which is good because they didn't used to have that. So, yeah, some improvements. Cool. I don't think I've seen a file explorer on Android for a while now. now there, there are file explorers for Android. Typically, they, many phones don't ship with a good one in, built in, which is absurd to me. That should be one of the built-in Android apps, just a decent file explorer. Well, if you don't have a file explorer, you can't mess up the files, right? I guess. So it's a power user thing. Yeah, I can see why you want one. <laughs> I can also see why they don't want to put one on the Android. So, yeah. Speaking of laptops, I got a job laptop when I changed jobs. It's a Lenovo ThinkPad T something something. And it has a very interesting pecu peculiarity. It won't uh, stay shut off or powered off. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So if I power it off, it will start itself out of sheer enthusiasm when I powered it off. And then I can't shut it off unless I use the magic, very small shut everything off with force button that I need one of those... What's the irritating dude in Microsoft Office? Oh, Clippy. Yeah. Yeah, one of those paper clips. Uh, or things that come with phones nowadays. And this is so fascinating. And I've been into BIOS and turned off, like, wake on all kind of weird things. And it still, like, happily boots itself when it feels like. And I, it's just infuriating. <laughs> So, my solution is to never power off the computer. I always put it in sleep mode. Huh. And that just feels wrong because the computer before that, or rather my, my own laptop, and not the job laptop, it's a ThinkPad T14S. It's one of those that have a uh, mouse pad that makes purists angry because it doesn't have any buttons. Mm. Um but it's an amazing computer in many other respects. That one is fully disk encrypted, and full disk encryption really only works when the computer is turned off, yeah. because otherwise the key is in the memory and you could somehow get to it. So that one I had, had um, whenever I moved out of the house, I had some routine or so to turn it off, because then... Yeah, if I lose that computer, well, then it's just garbage on it then. So speaking of ephemeral things. Yeah. But uh, if it's not turned off, it's in, if it's in sleep mode, somebody could read stuff from it. And that would be me. So that makes backup so much more important too. I suppose that's a good thing. Yeah, but now you have a computer that will turn itself on. Does it have a couple of red eyes that glow as it as it starts up only one but it stares intently it's uh, and it goes like i cannot let you do yeah. that it seems like you had turned me off i didn't like that at all exactly actually on the topic of clippy yeah it just makes me happy that there is a that rust decided to implement a linter that they call clippy 
and it's really good and friendly. Okay, I haven't tried it, but yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing software. It makes me happy. The Rust type checker also makes it's so much about Rust that makes me happy. It's a fascinating. Okay, you've found something that makes me <laughs> passionately happy. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah, I, I've had a shitty day so far, and now we go Rust, and I'm like, yeah. Anyway, Rust is so interesting because it's a very hard language, like C++ or Haskell, but in other ways. C++ and Rust in very much the same way, Haskell in other ways. And um, it makes me really happy that the community or the core team has understood this and add so much tooling and stuff to make the Rust experience a really good experience, even though the language is hard. It took them a couple of years, but <laughs> yeah that things usually take some time to build. Yeah, I I really like the idea of these languages where, like, no, we've designed it so that this problem goes away. Or at least you can't cause this problem. You'll have to deal with some convolutions due to this, but this and this and this is not a problem anymore. Rust is really, really the focused on that, it seems. Yeah. Just designing away problems. Now, I say this and I run a dynamic, <laughs> I build in a dynamic language, which is, of course, not necessarily that. But Erlang has a similar, similar sort of basic design, but they weren't trying to solve memory safety in that way or... They weren't trying to solve low-level safety. They were trying to solve for distributed computing and concurrency through distributed computing. Uh, they were trying to solve for low latency near real time. And they were trying to solve for reliability. And that's why the design is the sign of Erlang and uh, subsequently the sign of Elixir is the way it is. And there are other choices that could have been made, but if you look at what they were trying to do, all the most important bits are directly, directly related to those ideas and requirements. Absolutely. And that's so good. It's, it's a very good tool for solving that kind of problems. Uh, it might not be the best tool for solving all problems, but... No, uh, like... Erlang and Elixir definitely is not the the best tool for solving all problems. Rust can make wider arguments about what it's suitable for because it is lower level and thus can sort of address much wider problem space. Now, the Elixir and Erlang problem space is plenty wide. <laughs> it just it's just not the foundations of computing sort of wide. Indeed. Also, I think it's, you could say that you could use C++ to solve anything. Yeah. Just use the, the correct libraries and the correct part of C++, because C++ is huge. Yeah. And it has many versions by now. Uh, for some years it didn't, but then something happened. Oh, well. Uh, but it's also... If you want to use something where you would benefit from a hash map, 
You could also use Python and get quite good performance and absolutely better developer happiness than you could using C++. I don't know if all C++ programmers agree with me there. But many probably would. Yeah. The, there's also the thing where the number of bugs introduced is usually related to the number of lines of... I believe there's there's this idea that regardless of language used, the number of bugs is closely related to the number of lines of code. Yeah, I've seen that too. And I haven't seen it refuted. That's why I only write one line of code. <laughs> exactly. And that would mean that a more expressive language would introduce fewer bugs in your application. Assuming that the amount of code, uh, that the code that makes up sort of the language you rely on <laughs> at least has been has been fairly thoroughly worked through. Because of course, there's... Actually, that's... I was going to say that there's much less code backing up your C++ program than backing up your Elixir program because uh, like VMs and compilers and da 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 but I'm not sure that's strictly true. <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm no I'm not sure. If if you compare a C program and an Erlang program for example. Erlang is written in C. So Erlang has the entire C toolset plus all of Erlang and OTP. While the C program has C and any any sort of libraries you bring in but of course Erlang and OTP bring in plenty of libraries as well so if you sort of bring that in as part of what you consider your code base for the purposes of bugs suddenly a more expressive language might also have sort of implicitly more lines of code in it but I think overall it holds that a more expressive language lets you write less code, and in that way, you risk fewer bugs with with just a growing code base. I think many C++ code bases would probably be a lot larger for the same sort of... Yeah, let's say you're building a simple script. Python is very good at simple scripts. C++, probably not so much. And I, I think you'll run into building more bugs with, with C++ that way than, than Python just due to sheer number of lines, lines of code. Or that'd be my expectation, at least. Yeah, we need to do some science on this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Science, that's what we do. Absolutely. I need a, an excuse to get myself a lab coat so I can do proper science. Because that's how you do proper science, right? Absolutely. <laughs>